All right, here we go. The podcast, Necessary Conversations with Pastor Doran. What up, dope? Watson, what's happening, baby? Yo, what's up? What's up, my brother? How we doing? I am living and uh, (laughs) on the right side of the dirt, as they would say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right i hear you i hear you yeah i could I, uh being the fact i'm on here i can say the same <laughs> the usual we'll start off with the house cleaning um remember uh necessary conversations pastor dorian has got its own separate dedicated facebook page go visit it like it up it share it again the itunes the five star views we got a couple extra of those over the week so thank you for that it's just pushing us further up the email uh converse passcast at gmail.com and um just another couple weeks left before we do our user form episode we still have a few questions that we can add in there please do send them no matter what they are i promise you i will make them radio appropriate no matter how bad you think it is i'll clean it up for you okay and lastly i'm gonna put on my uh, pastor hat here pastor dorian if you don't mind for just one second (laughs) what i want (laughs) What I want every single one of you users out there to do, because uh, I know a lot of you have told me you do this for us, and I thank you for it because I see it in the metrics. But I want you to do this individually this week and share with a friend. Every single person, every listener. It doesn't even have to be this week's episode. Find maybe one of your older favorite ones, but share with a new friend, someone you've never yet told about the podcast and they have not heard it yet. Share one new individual. Every single one person do that, and we'll double it uh users all right so pastor dope yes, sir my man go ahead and uh you know just kind of catch us up from last week i know you said it was a couple spots you want to just make sure you re-emphasize clarified and sure just, you know you know what it's funny and i have to um you know going back and listen like listening to yourself um, and at least what i can say for me listening to myself is one of the hardest things uh, in the world for me to do um, sometimes I listen to my, my messages that I've preached and I'm like, why in the world would anybody come back and keep listening to that? You know, I'm a very hard critiquer of myself. And one thing that I wanted to make sure, um, that I said very clearly, um, was about the idea of accepting. Cause I got some feedback and even listening myself, uh, making sure that I was clear on what I meant by the challenge of the church, accepting people as they are, because, uh, you know, a lot of people, feel like, you know, that is indeed the job of the church um, and that the scriptures say we are um, accepted in the beloved. Now, here's here's the thing. Speaking the same language is what's really important. And it's 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 funny just coming off of the um, Pentecost Sunday and one of the miracles of the day of Pentecost is that the um, Disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't just that they were able and empowered to speak in other tongues. It's that when they came out of the upper room, the people that heard them, that gathered around to hear them, the scriptures say they were amazed because they heard their own language. So the day of Pentecost, sometimes apostolics, we get it turned around that the power is in us to speak a language that we didn't learn we don't emphasize enough our ability to speak a language that unbelievers understand. And the the enemy knows that human beings speaking the same language, that's there's power in that. And one of the things that he does is he confuses, like he mimics God in that at the Tower of Babel in order to keep them from building the tower. The Bible says God confused their language and that's what made them separate 
And though they initially, um, you know, were going to actually accomplish the task of building the Tower of Babel if they had all kept speaking the same language. So the enemy knows that human beings' efforts can be thwarted if their language is confused. So sometimes even though we're saying the same words, we don't mean the same thing. So if I say, I want to accept you, come as you are, you can be accepted here. Um, The world might hear the word accepted, but one of the things I just want to be clear is my job is to accept people to come into the house of the Lord as they are. I'm not saying that the church shouldn't do that. But the world's definition of accepting is 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 not the same as ours at the moment. Our acceptance mm-hmm. is come as you are, where the world's definition of acceptance is come as you are and stay as you are. And that's just the, the, okay. the clarity that I wanted to make there that I just want to make sure we're speaking the same language and that the hearers know that that's what I meant. I want everybody to be able to come as they are. But inherent in the world's definition right now is you don't want me unless you're willing to let me stay as I am, celebrate as I am, and say as I am is how I should stay. Okay. So let me stop you and kind of change pace just a little bit there. Okay. You say how you know uh, our life should be so that unbelievers can see, and you're talking about this fruit. But you know, you're if you don't mind me just kind of playing uh, the other side to this, you're talking church terms and things. I need you to really simplify like how these people can see the differences. Cause you know, like if they go to church, you know, they might not think anything different of your life and theirs. Wait. So you say if they go to church, well, you know, just so like maybe someone who has some uh, level of faith, maybe not like, where we're at, but they have some level of faith. So they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. Yeah. Let's hang out together. And the, the, <laughs> and, and, and that's, what's interesting and why I, I, I think our whole idea of witnessing and, you know, how we discern who's a Christian and who isn't is off. Um, we may have even talked about it before that this is not some, you know, idea that you either agree with or not because a lot of people will say yeah they'll call themselves a christian like you are because like i agree with the same things you say you believe but that's why i say if you're in my life you'll see Mm -hmm. like if you actually have the fruit of the spirit or not is love Mm -hmm. if you actually have genuine love and not just love like paul said you know not just because you or Jesus said, like, just because you can love one another, like the world, everybody loves their friends. But if you have love for people that you disagree with or that hate you and you can still love your enemy, like that is something that's from the spirit that there ought to be supernatural levels of joy, supernatural levels of peace, supernatural levels of kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Like nobody can fake supernatural levels of that. That that's, okay. you know, like that's what I mean by, you know, if it's a fruit of the spirit, because there are nice people, there are peaceful people. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, you know, like you say, there are just some what we would call good people. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we uh, help differentiate ourselves for them? You know, some just good people, but, you know, may not be like what we know to be saved and like holy. Yeah. yeah. You know, because those are sometimes the hardest ones to say, yeah, but you, you there, but you not. Yeah, and and you know, and like, that that's and those are the people that you actually have to be in their lives to impact, because there are 
good people in the world and you know like that you know you don't automatically see and go oh my gosh that's just some rank sinner you know but the reality (laughs) is is there aren't any perfect people there aren't any people that don't have turmoil issues in their lives some people you just have to actually be close to them in order to see Mm -hmm. what that is which is why this isn't witnessing isn't just about going around and finding rank sinners to tell they're on their way to hell. Witnessing <laughs> has more to do with being in the lives of people and having supernatural levels of these God-given you know fruit that would make them say I thought I was a peaceful person, but I would have never been able to mm-hmm. endure what you just endured. How did you do that? You okay. know, like that, okay. that, that's why I said like invited, that's why people will come to a service and go, yeah, I, I'm all that. Everything that the preacher said, like that was good. And that happens to me all the time. Like that was a good sermon pastor. And like, that's all they get from it. But if you actually have a super, like we should be comparing their natural level of goodness with your supernatural level of goodness and they'll find themselves coming up short. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, I like, you have to forgive me here, though, but I like, I'm really going to try to push the envelope here with this one and really try to give somebody a uh, tangible takeaway from this conversation. Because I think I I have a feeling where this is able to go and somebody can take this to like their good friend at work that they work with and they see all the time. Like you said, they can bring to church and they get that. But how do you like, what do you like? Is it come over my house for dinner? You know, or is it like, like, how do you commune and like interact with these people outside of work and church in a comfortable environment? What do you mean by comfortable environment? Well, I'm not going to the bar or club with them. Yeah. So what's another, what are other um, natural ways to just make it where it's like, at the end of the day, your goal is to show them your life, right? Mm-hmm. But only their only real interaction really is you at work with them. Or wherever your natural place of connection is. If it's not work, it's somewhere else. Yeah. But that's one that's most common, just for this example. Sure. And then when you invite them to church, where else is like a, hey, let's, whatever. Like, what else is a good, quote unquote, battleground for you to put your life on display to them where they can see that from you? There's no better place. your pla- work environment. Th- there's no better place than work. Are you kidding me? Okay. See, that that that's what I mean by if your life is full of the spirit. Like you, mm-hmm. I, my, I, let your light so shine. Like wherever you go, I'm, work is the perfect place for you to see I have something you don't see. My coworkers know, oh. like not, most of them haven't been in my house. Matter of fact, okay. it's, it's funny, like I was at, 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 at work just this um, this past week. They've been moving desks and people around and I was going to have to move. My office. You've been turning over desks like Jesus at work? <laughs> no, no. They're just shuffling. <laughs> okay. They're shuffling desks. I wouldn't want to move, but like, so my team whose desks are outside of my office, they were moving their desks. So I was going to have to switch my office. And uh, the young lady who was coming to take my office was just, she just came over to say, hey, what day would be good? For you, you know, for me to move over when you comfortable moving. And I was cracking the joke. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I really don't want to move. And she was like, well, I'm excited <laughs> to move to your office because I heard since you're here, this office must be blessed. And I, she's <laughs> never been in my house. Okay. 
You know what I mean? Okay. I don't even know her that well, but that was her statement to me from just me being at work. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. Like I'm, I don't, I don't have to get you to this specific place where I'm blessed. I'm blessed when I come and when I go. So if we're around each other enough, oh, you're going to get some of this Holy Ghost. Okay. <laughs> See, and, and that, that that's what I'm trying to, yeah, I really want you to, I'm going to keep digging into it with you then. So like, because one of my questions uh, back to the safe haven thing, we're presenting ourselves as a safe haven to these unbelievers or near mm-hmm. believers or wretched sinners, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, how do we present ourselves as that safe haven where that person at the office feels comfortable coming up to you because the rest of us aren't pastors. So a lot of us think, you know, we try to separate ourselves from you like, oh, well, that's because you're the pastor, Dorian. And then when you tell people that you're a pastor, people just look at you different. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you tell the your average parishioner of your church or any church to separate themselves, but yet to not separate themselves, say they too can do that? Like present themselves as the safe haven to people at work. Well, I, my question would always be like, I don't pastor people at work. What do I do at work that no one else could do? That has the same Holy Ghost that I have. Now, like I get it sure. here at the church, you know, there's things I do and can do that other people can't do. But I'm not Pastor Dorian. I'm not Pastor Cast. I'm not Elder Cast. I'm not Preacher Cast. I'm Dorian Cast. They call me Dorian DC. You know, like I'm not a pastor. I have no more, like my office as a pastor gives me nothing more at the workplace. So what can I do at my job that no other spirit filled believer? Any other spirit filled believer couldn't do. Like what's what's the question? The question is then, what is it that maybe okay, not is it that what can you do then? What is it that you are doing that creates that uh obvious ambiance of the spirit at your workplace? Because we know you're not walking around thumping people in the head with the Bible. So what is nope. it that you are doing that separates you? What lets your how, why is your light shining so hard at work? So I'm not trying to be difficult tonight, Justin, but mm-hmm. like if there is a believer on the phone or on the phone, <laughs> on the other <laughs> end, well, they might be listening to this podcast on the phone. I think that's probably why I said this because that I always listen to the podcast on my, on my phone. But if somebody listening to this and like you believe you're full of the spirit, but you're like, how do I get this spirit to, to, to be seen or noticed by people. Paul says that we are a letter written to the world and we are a fragrance that is, is smelled. So that's like trying to ask, how do I get these chitlins to stink up my house? If what you have doesn't stink, (laughs) it's not chitlins. You got something else. Like if 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 what you're cooking doesn't smell good, then like that's that, that's that's why I'm having a hard time answering that question without being yeah. mean. Saying if you don't know how no. to do that, I question whether you have what I have, or it needs to be stirred up. So if if it's it's chitlins stink, especially once they get put in the pot. Like physics says yeah, this, yeah. that the more you heat up a substance, the molecules move faster. And they 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 smash off one another, and then 
they they bounce further into the atmosphere, which is why when you heat food up is why you can smell it. So that's why you can smell, you know, the, the, the pot of chili cooking on the stove, but you can't smell the bowl of ice cream, right? Even though ice cream right, is flavorful, right. you can't smell it because it's cold. When you heat things up, that's why you can smell them. Uh, so if I was to be preaching today, I'd be talking about, <laughs> you know, that uh-huh. the temperature with which you live your life determines how far the fragrance of your life goes. So I tell people, that's why I say be hot or cold. If you're not hot, nobody is going to be able to feel and smell the fragrance of your holiness or your spirit. So like, I don't, I, I'm, I'm being honest. Like I don't go to work with this intent or this plan that I'm getting ready to do something other than be saved, sanctified and filled with the precious gift of the Holy ghost. And at every crossroad choose to be led by the spirit. So let me ask a hard question in for someone that might have to ask themselves or that could be thinking this, whatever. Uh, it may not sound hard to you, but you, you just got to think uh, on your lowest of spiritual levels per se. What about, so if, are you saying if no one has yet really said anything to you or come to you or really made it be known to you, are you saying that person isn't letting their light be shown at work enough? If no one's ever come to them at work? I'm not saying it, if it, so I'm saying if they can't tell that you're different, mm-hmm. I'm not saying my first question is, do you have what you think you have? Salt is just salty. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to ask salt to be salty. You That's what he said. You know, like, you're the salt of the earth. If you are indeed salt, if you put it in your dish, you're going to taste it. It is. And my question is, the first question is, are you really full of the spirit? Or are you one of those Christians that just decided, hey, Christianity is is like, that's a good deal. I believe it. To go back to one of mm-hmm. our earlier conversations, one of those cultural Christians, like, hey, this is mm-hmm. cool. That's a cool group to be a part of. And that doesn't make a light shine. Mm-hmm. So okay. I have to pose that first question. And then secondly is, do you have to stir up your gift? You know, so I'm not going to call everybody that's not being a good Christian at work unsaved <laughs> or that they don't have the spirit. <laughs> But I mean, then I my next go question for around would be, with some of my coworkers. I'm still saved, right? Um, you might still. <laughs> we can go <laughs> yeah, down I'm a different road back. you want to go down, Justin. We can. I don't know I'm, if that's what you want this conversation to be. You know, I'm but just I would tell pot. that person that they're not led by the Spirit. Then okay, you know, like you missed right. your opportunities. That what did you do when they? T- you know, the last time they went around and cut hours, did you gripe and complain like everybody else? Or were you thankful in all things? Were you sensitive to a coworker who was down and did you, and were you comforting to them? Like, and do you have, I, I got to go back to this. Do you have supernatural levels? That's why the fruit of the spirit, all the things that are listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Like, all those things are things that happen in the world naturally. So, in order for me to believe it's a fruit of the Spirit, one of two things has to be present. Either 
all of them all at once. Or you have supernatural levels of them. And if, you know, if you don't have something above and beyond what is naturally attainable, then that's what you need to be praying about. Okay, so we just got a, a couple of recipes as far as stirring up our own pots and getting the heat going as far as what we need to be Because then about. I would, and, and, and then I would go one step further and you have to ask yourself if the people at your job, yeah. Cuz you cuz cuz you got to know I don't go around telling people I'm a pastor. I don't go around telling people I'm a Christian. Oh, you got you got I'm sorry. I I know you might have been going somewhere, but I do have to ask you that. Yeah. For the average person, how do they find out you're a pastor? Well, like how a, does the average person Go ahead. Yeah. It's a little different now because mm-hmm. um my job like they do these promotional videos and trying to let people know why it's a great place to work. And I'm a part of one of the promotional videos and I talk about it in that video. So now like the cat's kind of out of the bag if somebody watched that video, but there has been so many instances um, where some people that have been around church, they tell me I sound like a preacher. I've had one person that I've run into, and this has happened to me on multiple occasions at work and somewhere else. When I ran into them and like one time it happened at the gym, I ran into a guy that I hadn't seen since college. And when I was in college, I was not doing anything close to living like a pastor. <laughs> Let me tell you, we, we ran into each other. And when I saw him, I hugged him and I said, Hey man, how are you doing? So he stops. And he goes, man, are you a preacher or something? And I'm like, we were at the gym. I'm like, what would make you Uh ask that? He said, when you asked me how I was doing, I felt like you meant it. He said, it felt like you meant more than just the formal greeting. When you asked me how I was doing, I felt like you genuinely were concerned and cared about how I was doing. And I've had people at work do the same thing. They said, what's up with you? What, what What is that? Like when I see you walk around here and you ask people how they're doing, I feel like you really want to know. And there's something about you that says you like you feel like you could do something about it if they give you a bad answer. OK, you know, like I, okay. so it's something like it's instances like that where, you know, or there's been times where we're just sitting and we call it the pit where everybody's desks are and they'll be talking about. The, the the topics of the day, relationships, marriage, raising kids. And I don't say the Bible says, I tell them what I think. And everybody goes, where did you get that from? What that's about? What is that about? Like, I'm just being mm. who I am in all of these different kind of contexts. And that's what is never, you know, that's what makes people go, what, what are you some kind of Christian? Or are you a pastor? You're a preacher. What's up? Okay. Okay. So that's that, that's good stuff right there now where it's like you can give people tangible situations and times because I really do feel like people look at you as a pastor and just put you on a pedestal both uh, for their own sakes to make it like less on them. And mm-hmm. then for the sake of just it just feels that way. And I, I, I'm hoping that people can see that you don't walk around with the cross on your chest and the Bible holding out and saying, you know, all these different things. And it just happens more naturally that you can help show others that they can do, too. No, that's so, one of the reasons why I like the like I like having a job. You know, what <laughs> I mean? like I, I'm like they didn't hire me because I was a pastor. Mm-hmm. They didn't they don't give me promotions or raises because I'm a pastor. 
You know what I mean? Like the owner, like that, that none of that, like I'm just like everybody else there. Like pastor okay. doesn't grant me any special access to anything. Only church people, like here at church, but anywhere other than here, as a matter of fact, pastor can be a derogatory title. Sure. Like pastors <laughs> are in the news doing stupid stuff all the time. Catholic priests, are you kidding me? See, so people like you're a priest, like you know what I mean. So, yeah. um, I, I, you, I, I, I would send everybody that's listening to this, because one thing that I will say is I choose at each crossroad to say what I think would honor God and what the Spirit would have me say, other than my own opinion. So, like the last time they were talking about relationships, were you saying what you think your opinion and some of the terrible things that you've gone through, or were you expressing what? God would have you to say about that. Just when you're around the water cooler, like, were you okay engaging in gossip in the office like everybody else? Or do you believe that God hates gossip period in the church or at work? God doesn't like it. You know, like you have to look at, there's a lot of opportunities to be light that aren't this crossroad of, am I going to commit sin or not sin? Or can I tell them about Jesus? No. How you handle the everyday situations that happen wherever you are, when gossip happens, when you're lied on, you know, when everybody else is angry or when everybody else is quitting, you know, like, what did you do? Did you dog men like everybody else dog men? And did you act like there's no place like your church? You don't have a bishop cast that shows you being a good man and husband is possible. Like, you know, that, that those are the opportunities, like I say. But if you're full of the spirit, that's what comes out of you at those at those moments. And I think that that's just one of the things that I try to do and do well. OK, OK. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it's absolutely awesome. Let me just ask this kind of in like wrapping up and closing of a big. Uh, circle loop of a uh, two week series on uh, this church safe haven concept mm-hmm. and like how it all started with uh, how you felt you didn't have one. Yeah. Um, what do you propose that we as a body, saints, believers, church, anything that we can do just in a little summary closing as to how, again, we can make someone who's listening to this know and believe and understand it. This is a safe haven and the purpose of the church is. Yeah. So, one of the things that I think is um, is critical in order for the church to be a safe haven and be able to be a place that's able to welcome sinners and sinners feel safe is, and that's why I said earlier, we have to, you know, have overcome ourselves. Like you have to be like, you have to understand the concept is is the strong bearing the infirmities of the weak. Like that's what Paul instructs, you know, those who sit at a table with a brother who thinks eating certain kind of meat is a sin. He said, you got to realize that that's the brother that's weak. And as if you're spiritual and you're the stronger one, you know, you have to be able to carry the burdens of others. So this, this is, um, and I don't want to, we're nearing the end of this conversation and I don't want to get too in the weeds. I want to keep this at a pretty straightforward pace or level is kind of with the question, are you and your friends strong enough in your faith and in your conduct that if someone that was still in sin 
If you invited them to be with you or your friends, who would influence who? Would they influence you to do what they do? Or would you influence them to do what you do? So that's why if you're strong and you're spiritual, you can make it safe to say whoever you are, whatever you're dealing with, come and Mm -hmm. be with me. And you don't have to, I don't have to tell you to change in order to come be with me because just by virtue of being with me, I will influence you. And can I give you an example? Go for it. I I tell people all the time and, and it's interesting. Um, for example, because we talked about it in last week's conversation about homosexuality and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. One of the ways, one thing you have to be in order to engage that issue is if you're a straight man, you have to be secure in your manhood. Secure enough to know that if somebody saw me with somebody who is openly gay. Or even if they're not open about it, everybody knows. Am I secure enough in my manhood that Mm -hmm. I am not threatened by that? Okay, that almost goes back uh, that and the week's prior of uh, you know men getting softer. Yeah, like Um, I'm not. Listen, let me let me tell you something. If I have indeed overcome an issue, or if it's not an issue to me. You being that mm-hmm. doesn't threaten me. I'm, I, I, I'm, I like, I'm, I'm not gay. I've never struggled with that. So you could put me in a room with ten gay dudes. Like, I'm not all of a sudden gonna be, you know, like, oh, I fell. Yeah, it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, I, that's that's how sure. I that that's how I am safe for that person because you don't have to worry about being tempted falling into struggling with like because i'm not the person that's going to create that problem for you at all Mm -hmm. like that's just not it so when we're spiritual when we're strong we can say you come be with us and it's safe for you because we're not going to be the ones that push you into your sin we are spiritual enough to remember that we are saved by grace. Like I remember how and what God saved me from. It might not have been homosexuality, but he saved me from a lot of things. So like, I remember that somebody had to take me in in order for me to be saved. And, and that's why preaching and and just having a church service doesn't do a good job of this. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Somebody, because preachers are demonstrative, that's why I didn't feel like it was safe for me to say I don't believe because preachers yell believe. But if I had been around in community of believers enough, I could have felt like somebody loves me enough that even if they heard I was doubting, they wouldn't throw me away. So I think the safe haven I was looking for was actually a different kind of relationship, not for the church structurally to do something differently. That I needed some people that I was just friends with who I felt were more spiritual than me that I knew loved me enough that they wouldn't have thrown me away if I told them like the same person I should be able to confess my sins to yeah and they restore me mm-hmm. I would have known that that's a safe enough space to say I, I I have doubts so we need to be that friend for somebody we need to be that spiritual or friend. strong enough to because yeah, spiritual cause, friend because Galatians 6 verses 1 through in two or three, you got you can keep reading it. But Galatians chapter number six is the the bear ye one another's burdens. You know, brothers, if someone is caught 
caught in a trespass or a fault. The Galatians says, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit mm-hmm. of like humbleness because you can consider it might be me who has fallen the next time. So we need a, com- a, a, a community of, I need a community of spiritual people who would then verse two says to bear one another's burdens who were strong enough that they could have took the load off of me and said, Hey man, it's okay. I'm strong enough to bear this. They didn't have to go run and tell anybody else. That's a whole other yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you need some people <laughs> around you strong enough to be able to bear your burden and say, listen, I'm going to carry this. Cause that's a lot of people's biggest fear as who else is going to have to know who else yeah, is, yeah. are they going to tell? And there's no, can, you know, can this stay here on this line? Yeah, are you and... strong enough to bear this? And I and I and I'll admit to you, I didn't have enough relationship, personal relationships mm-hmm. with enough spiritual people. And I think the mm-hmm. church needs to we need to do a better job of saying the work of the church is through relationships, not the organizational structure of the church. You get what I mean? So I'm not saying that the church needed to have an office of safety. <laughs> right, right. Like, if you have a struggle, come to this uh, minister here. <laughs> exactly. Like, this no, is no, the no, fill no. out this form. You know, this yeah. we have the office of safe haven. I right. Think, it's you're just saying the culture of relationships and being closer to one another. Absolutely, I like that. A culture right. of relationships and a high level of spirituality. And right, because if you got enough relationships, somebody. And if they're all, and somebody should be spiritual enough, and you would know it, and right? you would know it, and you would know it by the love that they've shown, and that the you've watched the fruit of the spirit, you've watched gentleness, long suffering, meekness, you've watched those things in their life enough to know that they've got enough strength to bear my weakness. So the safe space that we're looking for is actually found in the community that the church is supposed to be, not this organizational structure that we've created it. That we've okay. created. All right, all right. I if I had a if I had like a hammer or something, I would slam it down right now because that was it. Like that yeah. was the slam dunk to all everybody of listening. Like, if really you're hopes. spiritual, you be the safe person. You be the safe space. Yeah, that that that's that's really really good. And for our young people, especially, you know, you either be the safe space or find the safe space because we're here. All right. So really quickly, we'll hop over just a little bit um, and we'll talk about what's been the most recent events. Uh, NBA playoffs have been going hot and heavy. We're now deep in the finals and boom, KD went down last Ooh. night. Man, <laughs> were you watching it live or did you see it on? Uh, oh, on, no, I was like, watching Sports it. Center? I was watching it live. I was watching it when yeah. it happened. Now, could you like when it went, could you be like, oh, snap? Or was it like up calf again? So what were that your initial w- thoughts? My initial thoughts was I wasn't certain. So I'm in a chat with a lot of the fellas. And of course, you know, that's what happens when you get old. When I was young, we would all get together and watch the games. But now we all <laughs> right. watch it at our separate locations and we all get on the chat on WhatsApp and talk to each other yeah, yeah. about what's happening. So it was a big debate in the chat initially of what happened. Was it his calf? Was it his Achilles? What? And my initial reaction was I didn't think it was his Achilles because he got up and walked. Right. 
I said, well, he walked off the court. And, of course, I'm not the biggest Kevin Durant fan, so I'm like, he's no Kobe. You know, Kobe is the one that walked and <laughs> shot his free throw. So, you know, like we were debating on what it was. And then when they showed the yeah, close-up yeah. and he grabbed his Achilles and not his calf, that's when we were like, yeah. oh, man, that's, that's, that's not the injury that the Warriors were saying it was. Nope. I don't think it ever was. From, like, looking at that, it, I don't think it ever was. No, no. Uh, and I so think, do you – Go ahead. Uh, so this is where I'm like, I'm like being like the super like, cause I'm not a KD fan either, but I am a, uh, I'm always an athlete versus owner fan. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like he should have been out there at all? No, absolutely not. And that is the Warriors' fault. The Warriors should think put it that is the Warriors' fault. Yes, one hundred percent. It is their fault. Do you think his? Do you think it was his teammates too though? Like you think Steph and Clay and Draymond was like dog. No, I don't think I don't think I don't think any other player who understands the business of the game, who understands how they make their livelihood. I don't, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't think it's likely that another player who understands what it's like to know like Steph. Remember, he had ankle issues. And understands mm-hmm. like his your, your livelihood being in jeopardy that way. I don't think the players would have been vocally telling him right, but, to play anyway. But see, man, but they was down three one, <laughs> like dog, because yeah. like some of the reports are saying he had some pressure from his teammates. Like you not putting on that much, kind of like uh, a year ago or whatever it was with Kawhi. Like they mm-hmm. said, some of the Spurs was like, man, get out here. Well, I'll say no. any if any if any player would do that, they're a clown. Like no player should Willis do that. Reed. Yeah, no player <laughs> should do that. Now, you know, and of course, there's retired players, and you know, we went out there with this, that, and the other. These guys are soft. Well, unfortunately, Kevin Durant has become the cautionary tale that the next time anybody is claiming a player <laughs> should play through an injury, play hurt. Do it for his team. Play anyway. Just say KD. I mean, so between that and Zion, can we just eliminate that whole, you know, team first, like versus your body? I wish can we, we could just be done with that conversation. I, I wish we could, but fa- like, there's too many ignorant fans out there. The Toronto fans cheered, and there's too many Al Bundys who remember the time that they played at Polk High back in, in high school and think they would have been tough enough Three to touchdowns. do it and that you should do it for the love of the game as opposed to this is a business and the owners make business decisions. It's the same reason that they'll never stop being mad at athletes for demanding a trade or demanding holding out for a contract as if they're being selfish, but they don't mind when the owners of the team cut people, trade people, or restructure contracts like they never get angry at that but they'll get angry at a player for doing his own version of that like that i think is like that negative perception of players or inhumane yeah. view that a lot is, of people it, have of players will never let whenever respect see, now that, that goes fully. into a whole another conversation because i feel like that conversation is predominantly on the nba nfl predominantly black sports it's not nearly as predominant in nhl and it's a little bit 50-50 with baseball, but they got a whole different culture to baseball. Put them in their own separate pocket. You can't even blink hard at baseball and you not be an idiot. Yeah, so let's, let's you know, the elephant in the room is white fans versus black players. And right? Yes, they, I, I don't, 
Well, this issue is, well, what I was talking about, about how they side with owners, yes, I believe that is, like, there is a massive racial component to that, to that base, I mean, basketball and football are the only sports you can't just turn pro. Basketball and football are the 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 only sports or are the larger sports that have a salary cap. Like, you know, like these, these there, there are racial undertones to a lot of this. Um, but I don't think this play hurt thing is just a black and white sure. thing. I think that's just a fan believing that this matters more than it really does. <laughs> I think like we like <laughs> to think that this matters so much when no, it's a business. And that's why I blame the Warriors, because I think doctors should not be. I think the team, doc, the team doctors is the problem. They should not be employed by the team. The doctor should okay. be employed by the players union or by some or by the league or by some independent entity. Because, yeah. you know, like the team, do you not know? Like KD, so not to get too much in the weeds, but KD had the highest plus minus. Like the Warriors were up. Like they were up by like 12 points during the time that KD played. Like he sure. essentially just by that small stretch of ball. It was like 11 points in 12 minutes. It yes. He essentially by that stretch of basketball won them that game. Them just getting one more game back at their home arena and extending this series one more game made the Warriors millions more dollars. You don't think those team doctors are thinking, man, we need to get this guy back out on the court. Like I, I, I blame the Warriors. There's no way they should have let that man back on the court if he could possibly injure himself worse. Oh, so can I no be? No way. Because they were, they, they were saying, like Kerr kept saying, they told us he'd be good. It couldn't hurt it worse. Couldn't hurt it worse. Do you think that the doctor did that? Not only one, to try to secure them that win and possibly get this finals, but in that possibly him being injured makes it a better chance for him to come back to the Warriors versus lead them in free agency? Conspiracy. Uh, that's a deep conspiracy theory. I So I would try to give them the benefit of the doubt that they weren't actively considering that he would get hurt or trying to possibly injure him to get him to stay. I think they were just being less cautious than they should have been. So, you know, like everything is is risk assessment and everybody okay. has different threshold risk thresholds. Like, hey, how much are we willing to risk now? Would you be that willing to risk? You know, it's like betting with somebody else's money. Like you're much more risky if you're not the one getting <laughs> ready to lose. Right. So I think if, you know, he's a free agent potentially and we're in the finals, we have a championship and millions of dollars on the line. I'll err on the I'll 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 be riskier than I would be. So I don't think that they were actively like putting him in harm's way. I think they Mm. were, you know, yeah, choosing to swallow more risk than they would have or should have. All right, all right. I I, I'll uh, we'll we'll go into deeper conversations later. I won't beat that one up too much, but I got my whole set of theories with this money thing because it goes deep. What, 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 yeah. what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm curious. Oh, man, I don't trust. When it comes to billionaires, mm-hmm. I think every decision is thought about how they make their next billion. So 
I do think it was a risk assessment and it was it was a combination of a lot of different things like one more game at Oracle Arena. Yep. Let alone game seven in Toronto and winning. It's not about winning to win. It's about the money that the winning's going to bring and then setting them up for free agency because now it puts everything back on the thing to re-signing and restructuring this thing because if this team loses game five, the dynasty is over. Mm -hmm. And it's like no more champion. And they got a new arena to sell out in San Francisco, not Oakland. Oh, they got they. So they got a whole ten year plan based on this man and his calf. You telling me it was you telling me a medical professional reaches that level can't tell the difference between the calf and an Achilles? No, they knew uh-uh. it was an Achilles. They knew it was an Achilles. They I, I so, so I believe they knew it was an Achilles. I just don't think they because KD an Achilles like this KD might not ever be the same. Like that's why exactly. this is actually a tragedy. And I don't think the Golden State. Oh, Warriors, you go leave us. Oh, you go leave us? Nah, watch this. Get out there and play. Uh, Snap. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't Snap. know about that. Now, I don't know a hobble KD, a hobble KD on the Warriors is still a, a dangerous player because you got Steph and Clay around him. But a hobble KD by himself in New York, eh, eh. But a hobble KD shooting threes, spot up threes at six foot eleven is still stroking. Yeah, I don't think they were trying to injure him, bro. I think they just played fast and loose with the risk. I don't think they were trying to hurt the man. Maybe. You know, it, it's purely speculatory. I, I, I'll I, tell you that right now. I know it's purely speculatory. I'm not Adam Schefter or Wojnowski with insider info, nor do I believe they would say it if they had that inside info. Oh, of course. But. Of course not. Dope. We really appreciate it. Part two ended up going long, uh, like part one did, but it was all fun and good. A uh, little both things. I think we really tackled a very aggressive and important topic for everybody. Again, keep sharing, keep liking, keep showing the love. Doe, we'll see you next time. All right, Watson, appreciate you, brother. All right. <laughs>